Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to this morning, this day, and this opportunity to be together in community again at the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Anna Gresh, and I am a member of this congregation, and I want to extend a special welcome to all of you today, especially any new members that might be attending or people who may be watching us online. Since 1870, UU Wasa has been a vital voice in liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's path, we welcome you here. We are currently worshiping both in, uh, in uh, person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram um, as you may. Um, later this morning, right before um, offertory time, I will be introducing uh, Gwendolyn, um, who will be uh, telling us um, it, because it's our monthly community focus collection time, she will be here from New Beginnings and will be updating us on the progress in that organization. Right now, I'd like you all to be able to greet yourself as you feel comfortable, um, and let's say good morning to each other. And with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. And please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting, which you will find the words printed in your bulletin, or your uh, order of service bulletin. We light this chalice for the light of truth <laughs> the, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And now let's all stand and sing hymn number 346, Come and Sing a Song with Me.
would please stay standing and join in reciting the church's affirmation. You'll find the words in the order of worship. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. Our doxology. This morning I want to share with you The Bad Seed by Jory John, illustrated by Pete Oswald and that's a little feedback, uh, published by HarperCollins Children's Books. Is there anything we can do about the anything we can do about the feedback? Thank you. I'm a bad seed. A bad seed. Oh yeah, it's true. The other seeds, they look at me and they say, that seed is so bad. When they think I'm not listening, they mumble. There goes a bad seed. But I can hear them. I have good hearing for a seed. How bad am I? You really want to know? Well, I never put things back where they belong. I am late to everything. I tell long jokes with no punchlines. I never wash my hands or my feet. I lie about pointless stuff. I cut in line every time. I stare at everybody. I glare at everybody. I finish everybody's sentences, and I never listen. And I do lots of other bad things, too. Know why? Because I'm a bad seed. A bad seed. I just can't help it. Sure, I wasn't always this bad. I was born a humble seed on a simple sunflower in an unremarkable field. I had a big family, seeds everywhere. We found ways of having fun. We were close. But then, the petals dropped, and our flower drooped. It's kind of a blur. I remember a bag. Everything went dark, and then, and then, a giant. I thought I was a goner. I thought I was done for. I screamed and I hollered, ah! But then I was, spit out at the last possible second. I flew through the air, and I landed under the bleachers with a huge thud. When I woke up, it was dark outside. A wad of gum had softened my fall. I felt okay, but something had changed in me. I'd become a different seed entirely. I became a bad seed. A bad seed. That's right. I stopped smiling. I kept to myself. I drifted. I was friend to nobody and bad to everybody. I was lost on purpose. I lived inside a soda can. I didn't care, and it suited me. Until recently, I've made a big decision. I've decided I don't want to be a bad seed anymore. I'm ready to be happy. It's hard to be good when you're used to being bad. But I'm trying. I'm taking it one day at a time. Sure, I forget to listen, and I still show up late, and I talk during movies, and I do all kinds of other bad things too. But I also say thank you, and I say please, and I smile. 
and I hold doors open for people. Not always, but sometimes. And even though I still feel bad sometimes, I also feel kind of good. It's sort of a mix. And all I can do is keep trying and keep thinking, maybe I'm not such a bad seed after all. Hey, look, there goes that bad seed. Actually, he's not that bad anymore. I heard that. And that is our story for today. Please bless our children and youth off to their RE groups this morning with May Peace Surround You. The words are printed in your order of worship. Before I have Gwendolyn come up here, I would like to announce that our midweek adult religious education class begins this week. Please check the yellow pages or if you uh, get us online, there have been numerous announcements for information and instructions on how you can sign up. Also, we welcome any volunteers. We need people for coffee, for after service, people to help us as worship associates or to help with flower arranging for the sacristy, uh, let Donica know if you can become more active in helping out in any of those areas. Now, today is our monthly community focus collection, the third Sunday of every month, and Gwendolyn is here from New Beginnings. She's going to update us on the progress that New Beginnings has made in helping refugees feel comfortable and welcome in our community. Your, your donations today will help resupply the New Beginnings Pantry, which supplies basic home nesting needs and ongoing living, daily living needs for the current newcomers through ECDC, the Federal Resettlement Agency, and the New Beginnings Program. Welcome, Gwendolyn. Thank you for having me this morning. My name is Gwendolyn Jones. I'm the Executive Director of New Beginnings for Refugees. We are a community-based nonprofit welcoming and caring for refugees that are coming to our community. I'm grateful that New Beginnings has been at the forefront of welcoming refugees to our area. Our goal is to help assist refugees and the community in helping them feel welcome, like they belong, and helping our new neighbors to become successful and productive in their quest to make a new life here. Our first new neighbors began arriving late December 2021, um, and since then we have welcomed 163 individuals in our community. Um, I can give you some numbers. We have 19 households that have settled in the Wausau area. We also have 10 households in the Stevens Point area. We have two households in Marshfield and we have three households in Barron, Wisconsin. So we, New Beginnings is in partnership with ECDC, the Federal um, Resettlement Agency. Their new fiscal year began October 1st. So I'm giving you a little future update. ECDC has committed to 150 new refugees coming to our community beginning October 1st of this year, and that extends for one year. With that number, um, our state refugee coordinator can flex that by about 10%. So in the last year, we have welcomed um, about half of that number has been um, Afghans. Then we've also welcomed nationalities um, that are Burundian, Congolese, 
Somalian, and Syrian. So um, not just Afghans. And as we look to the future, um, we'll probably see those numbers flipping. Um, we should have a smaller number of Afghans and a higher number um, from East Africa. So in the past 10 months or so, we've had a lot of um, activities going on with our new neighbors to help them um, connect with other um, community members and to um, become engaged in our community. So we've had tea times for both men and women. Um, we've had art projects, craft times, um, sewing, bead making, painting, um, all string art, all sorts of different uh, members of our community have offered to um, engage our new neighbors in different classes. Um, and we've really um, made some great connections even in this first 10 months. So I'll try to make this faster. We are right now actively seeking and organizing donations at our donation site with Joyce's help. Um, both of our sites have just reopened October 1st. We have a household donation site in the lower level of the Whitewater building. And then we have a furniture donation site at the old JCPenney building. So both sites are open the first Saturday of the month from 10 to noon. Um, we're accepting all sorts of products at our household site. We have a list on the website, but generally speaking, cleaning products, paper products, stock pots, um, clothing, drying racks, anything that would be useful um, for setting up households. So of all those households I've mentioned, um, New Beginnings has been pivotal in having all those items collected and ready so that our co-sponsorship teams and other volunteers can fully set up the homes for our new neighbors to settle into. So there's furniture, sheets on the bed, and dishes in the cabinets when they arrive um, off of the airplane. Um, with that said, we're always looking for um, volunteers. We need volunteers um, to help at our furniture donation site, also to help set up households as we have new arrivals coming, um, ongoing. Volunteer drivers, we also have some one-time um, volunteer needs. We have a Thanksgiving feast that we're um, planning right now where we could use some volunteers to prepare some side dishes um, from, you know, maybe American side of things. Um, also, we're getting together um, gift wrapping for a holiday celebration, and we could use volunteers for that. So we'll always continue to build strong financial partners in the community to help sustain ongoing and future services. Um, our gifts are managed at the Community Foundation. We have a link on our website as well. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to share about how we've been helping with resettling our new neighbors. I'm honored to be able to share with you today. Thank you. We have a basket at the back of the, of the sacristy for you to put your donations in. And if you aren't prepared to uh, contribute today, you can uh, drop cash or a check off with Donica uh, at any time during the church, when the church offices are open. Um, I can personally say, having been involved for a, since December with the refugees that as, as this congregation has also, that this is a, um, a wonderful organization and um, they can use any help we can give them. Thank you.
I'd like to invite everyone to join me in the spirit of meditation and prayer. Let's take a moment to settle into our bodies. I invite you to close your eyes and cross your legs and put your feet flat on the ground. As you take a breath, push it deep down into your stomach. Slowly out. Relax your jaw. Relax your shoulders. And let us pray. Astonishing spirit of healing and hope. In the light of compassion, we cannot hide our eyes from the broken, hurting places. We pray for an end to war and to violence, that love will lead every person and nation along the path of peace. We pray for those who are sick in body and heart and spirit, that they will be held in loving arms and given comfort. We pray for those who mourn and for those who are close to death. We pray for loved ones and strangers and for our own needs. We pray for those for whom we have promised to pray and for those who cannot pray for themselves. Now let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please remain seated for our prayer hymn number 168. One more step. reading this morning comes from the lectionary. I seldom, I maybe never have selected the lectionary text to read from, but some texts 
Some stories are just too good to ignore, and I think this is one of them. The story comes from the 32nd chapter of Genesis, beginning in the 22nd verse. I expect it will be familiar to some of you. It writes, That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go. It's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. And Jacob said again, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. There it ends our reading.
A few weeks ago, on a bus trip from Milwaukee to Wausau, the driver pulled into this gas station and he told us riders, he said, you all have about 15 minutes to stretch your legs and grab a bite to eat. And so many of the riders rushed off and lit up cigarettes and I hopped out to buy something to drink. When I got back on the bus, my wife told me that the lady who had been sitting across from us, that she asked if we could buy her a bottle of water and a snack so that she could take some medicine. And so I ran back off the bus and back inside the gas station and I bought a water and a strawberry ice cream cone for the lady who was very appreciative when I got back. As I handed her the, the food and the drink, she handed me a handful of quarters and I was reaching out to take this lady's money and my wife said, I'm sorry ma'am, the treats are gonna be on us this afternoon. And so a couple hours later, we pulled into a bus stop at Stevens Point and the woman who struggled to walk, she slowly made her way off the bus. And as she walked past me, she said, may God bless you. And I said, thank you very much. But she stopped and she caught my eye and she said, don't you thank me, son. You thank God. You thank God for his blessings. So I looked out in the dark and the lady was making her way out there. And there was an SUV with some kids and a young woman waiting to take her to her final destination. And I will admit, and I fully appreciate that things like this happen all the time. You help someone out with a little bit of something or other, and you say thanks or they say thanks. But I don't tend to take blessings lightly, and I would advise you to do the same. And so knowing this, the theme of the sermon this morning is blessings, I want to return to the story of Jacob wrestling an angel who won't let him go until the angel blesses him. Now, we don't really know if it's an angel or a man. We don't know what it was, but we just know that Jacob wrestled with someone. It's important to remember that this is not Jacob's first wrestling match. If you remember from Sunday school, Jacob's first fight happened when? When he was still inside his mother's womb, when he got into a fight in utero with his brother Esau, just as his mom went into labor. And so if you remember the story, just as the midwife is trying to lift this screaming newborn Esau into the air, she felt something pulling this baby boy back down. And what was it? It was Esau's twin brother Jacob still in the womb, save his arm. Isn't that an image? Just anyways, okay, we'll move on. So at everything but Jacob's arm, and he is holding on to his brother Esau's foot, trying to drag him back into the womb so that he could be born first and inherit the family goods. <laughs> you have to preach on this text. And so as Esau and Jacob grew big and strong, their father Isaac grew old and weak and blind and hard of hearing. And so as Isaac faded closer to death, he knew that he had to bless his firstborn son Esau to make the transfer of the family goods official. But Jacob and his mother Rachel, they devised a scheme. So they waited until Esau was totally famished after a long day's work on the family farm and they showed up just about 20 minutes before his appointment with his dad and they put a steaming bowl of his absolute favorite soup right in front of him. And they said, boy Esau, aren't you hungry? And so as Esau ate, Jacob ran back to the house. He put on his brother's favorite outfit and he went into his blind and hard of hearing father Isaac and he pretended to be his brother. He walked into the room and he said, Dad, it's me, Esau. That's what Jacob said, lying through his teeth. I'm here for my blessing. And so Isaac reached out his hands, he laid them on the wrong son, and he said, I bless you with all that is mine. May God bless you. And so when Esau found out that his twerp of a younger brother stole his inheritance, what do you think he did? He set out to kill his twerp of a younger brother, but not before Jacob, again with his mother's help, fled the family farm first. So here's a bit of a history lesson. Do you know that it actually wasn't until the 17th century before signatures became the thing that we use to make things official? Would you all like to know what we did before that? We did really weird things, that's all I have to say. Here are some examples. So before we signed contracts, we would just slap people really, really hard on the back. 
Or, here's another one, we would put our hand underneath someone's thigh as they promised something to us. Or, we would cut off a chunk of our hair, put it in a little envelope, and give it to someone. So in Jacob's time, the act of placing your hands on someone and speaking a promise was as real as signing a marriage certificate or a deed to a house. And so maybe some of you are like me and you want to find a moral at this point in the story. After all, Jacob is one of the most important figures, not only in Christianity, he's one of the most important figures in Islam and Judaism. So why on earth would 9.5 billion with a B people of faith look up to this scoundrel? And I think the short answer is this, because he's just like us. Case in point. We see our main character run off with something that wasn't his, something that he didn't earn, and yet somehow, by grace, by luck, by God, something good comes from something bad. And so as Nate Roos sings in the band Fun Song, Some Nights, quote, man, you will not believe the most amazing things that can come from terrible lies. And so in this particular song, what Roos is singing about is his own nephew, his sister's son, who they both adore beyond all measure, and it is a child, the only thing that remains from an absolutely disastrous relationship. And so if the story stopped there, and let's be thankful it didn't, we would still come away with a powerful truth, that life and goodness can emerge from the ashes of sorrow. But our story isn't over yet. So the night Jacob flees, he runs to the point of exhaustion and he lays down under the desert clear blue sky and he dreams of angels running up and down a staircase to heaven. And in this particular dream, what happens is God comes to Jacob in his dream and he says, one day a whole nation will be created from you. A nation as abundant as dirt and as free as the wind. And so if you're paying attention to this story, this is the point when most of you should start getting really, really annoyed. The guy who just ran off with his brother's stolen inheritance just got a promise. After all, we are really good church folks. We try hard. We shop smart. Most of us were taught to be good moralists from the word go. Our parents and our teachers told us that honesty is the best policy, and we believed it, and we passed it on to our kith and kin. But anyone who says that honesty is the best policy and anyone who believes it knows that what happens before you can say that honesty is the best policy is what? You had to lie a whole bunch until you figured out that honesty is the best policy. And let's face it now that it's election season. Dishonesty isn't always that bad of a policy. Just ask City Hall or Madison or look in the mirror. Now, I'm not saying that it's good to lie to Congress or to a jury or to your spouse about why you didn't come home last night. I'm talking about the kind of dishonesty that Jacob is up to. And you know this kind just as well as I do. It's the kind of dishonesty that gets you the gains you're after using sly tactics. Tactics that ensure that your back is always the first in line to get scratched. This kind of behavior takes us far in the world, and there's little use pretending otherwise. And so Jacob's story is a timeless tale that captures how shrewd and ambitious people with flexible morals often go far. A little gossip here, a little flattery there, a smidgen of exaggeration never hurts, if the goal is advancement in the classroom or the workplace or the voter booth. Now, to be clear, I am not talking about the kind of people who are willing to break the law or kill to succeed. I'm talking about the people like you and me, people who are, fig- who are willing to figure out how to tiptoe in the gray areas in search of this or that thing to manipulate in order to make us look a shade or two better than others. And so in Esau's case, the other brother's case, I think we have another reality that we need to face, and it's this. Some people are just suckers. 
people who show up late to important appointments because they can't control an urge for soup or sex or clearance sales. I have this wonderful doctor friend of mine who works at St. Louis University, and he has this saying about patients who can't seem to control breaking their bodies by doing silly stunts. And here's a phrase of his. He said, Brian, you will never figure out a way to legislate stupid decisions. I think what he meant by that was this, that it's not illegal to be ignorant. It's also not illegal to make the most of something someone's not paying attention to. We learned this in first grade, and we used to sing about it at recess. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. You snooze, you lose. And I'm sure you're waiting for me, your pastor, to tell you that this is terrible. And it is. But the world is full of people who do this. And I bet you're one of them, or once were, or you will be again. Because to be alive means that you are stuck making choices from the time you wake up until the moment you slip into sleep. The world is full of Isaacs and Esau's, and I bet there's a bit of both in you. But I bet 20 bucks more that you're less Team Esau than you are Team Isaac. Here's why. Being Team Isaac is what gets us the job. It's what gets us the pat on the back, the favor of the in crowd, the gooey gossip, the luxury to see policy enforced on others while we slink out early and enjoy a couple hours on the clock sipping an old fashioned. But the story doesn't stop there. Because every once in a while, you'll be living your best Isaac and the urge to go home bubbles up. The way you're living doesn't quite feel enough. You want to feel that special kind of rest only found at home. That special kind of recognition only found in the eyes of someone who recognizes you for who you are, warts and all. And so by the time we see Jacob again, this is what he wants to do. He's tired of running from himself. He's tired of trying to be the next big deal. Because by now he's married, he's older, he's a father. But he's yet to claim his inheritance because he is scared that the instant he steps foot on the family property that his brother will wring his neck. And so Jacob, once and for all, he sets out and he's going to apologize to his brother Esau. Now some stories in the Bible take place in imaginary lands, but not this one. You can literally walk the very same path that Jacob and his family took along the Jabbok River in modern-day Jordan. In fact, the very same river is still used by shepherds to water their flock today. And if you notice, the story never tells us why, but Jacob sends his family ahead without him. And so he is absolutely and totally alone in the desert. How many of you have ever been to the desert? We have a few bit of hands. What's it like at night in the desert? Is it a warm, fuzzy feeling you get completely alone in the desert? Some of you shake your head yes. I'm going to shake my head a big fat no. And oh, I don't think it's a very warm and inviting place. So I want you to just take a moment and I want you to put yourself in the scene. So imagine with me, you are traveling with a tour group all around Jordan. You're checking out Wadi Rum and the ancient city of Petra, and your tour guide pulls the bus over so you and the other tourists can stretch your legs along the Jabbok. When you get back on the bus, an old lady who is sitting across from you and the person you were riding with says, would you please do me a favor and take my water bottle and fill it up for me? And so, like a nice church-going person, you say, of course, I'll fill up your water bottle. And as you're filling up the water bottle, what do you hear off in the distance? The bus pulling off without you. You reach down into your pocket and you pull out your iPhone with the busted screen and it's totally dead because you've been taking pictures of desert landscapes all afternoon. And then around your waist is a neon fanny pack because is there any other color that fanny packs come in? So you're wearing a neon fanny pack and deep down inside your fanny pack are two things, actually three. You have two granola bars and a ticket from the tour guide that says, we will be here to pick you up tomorrow morning. Okay, if you're smart, here's what you should do. 
find a spot of shade by the river, and hope and pray that someone comes by before morning. But in this case, no one comes. And it gets cold in the desert at night, and so you stuff your hands into your fanny pack, trying to stay warm. Noises sound like people are talking. The wind sounds like people are whispering, and even the far-off animals shuffling sound like they're breathing right down your neck. Are you there? Are you alone in the desert? Because now that you're alone in the desert, I want to imagine that someone you didn't hear has suddenly put you in a headlock and pinned you down to the ground. This is a wonderful image for Sunday morning. I hope you all are enjoying this. And so you break their hold because you have been working out before you took this trip, and you do the only thing that you know how to do, and you punch this person in the face as hard as you can. And the person keeps coming for you, and you keep fighting for what feels like hours, and then suddenly the sun starts to come up, and the sun shines on this person's face, and this stranger's face is the face of love. It's the face of God. Or maybe it's the face of an angel, or maybe it's the face of your father's wisdom, or your grandmother's tenderness. Or maybe it's the face of some far-off possibility, the face of who you might be if you weren't so ego-driven or pig-headed. And so whatever the face is, this face is good, and you know it. You can feel it in your bones. And so you grab onto this person and you say, bless me. And just when you think you finally got a hold of your opponent, the very same opponent that you have been fighting all night long, the opponent reaches out its long index finger and touches you on your hip, and the last thing you hear is a pop before you buckle over and your hip is snapped in two. And what this tells you is that your opponent was just toying with you. They could have snapped you in half at any moment. But instead, the opponent bends down and says... I bless you. I bless your struggles. I bless your joys. I bless your love. I bless your living. And I bless your dying. And so everything you were fighting for, power, cunning, success, these are the human things that humans invent to justify our choices. But in the end, none of these things will ever fulfill us. But love and joy and peace and forgiveness these are the things that come only from the spirit of life. Only from the grace of those who see the Isaac and the Esau in you, warts and all, and bless you anyways. The poet Amanda Gorman, who captured America's heart on Inauguration Day with her poetry and her bright yellow overcoat, if you remember, she says in a poem of hers entitled Miracle of Morning this, so on this meaningful morn, we mourn and we mend. Like light, we cannot be broken even when we bend. We ignite not in light, but in lack thereof. For it is in loss that we truly learn to love. In this chaos, we will discover clarity. In suffering, we must find solidarity. At the end of this story, the image we're left with is of a man who has wrestled life itself, and he lived to tell the tale. And so as he limps into the horizon towards his brother, his wife, his children, he is no better for the wear. He is still the self-centered, scheming person he was. But he's blessed. Humanness is blessed. His joy, his sorrow, his love, his longing, his willingness to keep trying even after failure. He's blessed. And it is in this chaos that we will discover clarity. And in our shared suffering that we must find unity. Amen. I invite you to rise as you're willing and able to join in singing our closing hymn number 1018. Come and go with me.
came here with someone this morning, I invite you to take their hand, or if they're willing, the hand of someone nearby. May the truth that sets us free, and the hope that never dies, and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together, until the day spring breaks, and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat, relax, and enjoy the postlude. me. 